welcome to season two of Living Fullness, a podcast where two friends explore what it means to live out the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And my name is Father Sean Burns. And every week we look more closely at deepening friendships, intentional relationships, growth in virtue, and nurturing our spiritual lives. We hope by sharing our learning, reflections, and experiences, this podcast will serve you in living your life to the full. If you found our podcast in any way helpful or it has served you in some way, would you please prayerfully consider whether you can financially support our mission via Patreon? Patreon is a platform that allows people to make a monthly contribution to our mission. Running a ministry has a number of costs, including website and software expenses, new tech purchases and paying editors. Your financial contribution will help us stay focused on putting out new content each week. So thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. We have varying tiers that you can choose from, including as little as $3 a month. And in return, we offer behind the scenes, bloopers, merch, mentoring, and more. We would love for you to join our community and hope you will consider joining us in helping one another to live life to the full. And welcome back to the Living Fullness Podcast. Hi, Stina. How are you going today? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. Thank you. What have you been up to? I have just recently been to an engagement party, actually. With, um, cool. Yeah, with a couple of um, a couple of friends from church who got engaged in November of last year. Um, and they're getting married, I think, in November of this year. So <laughs> a year-long engagement. And, um, yeah, they had a really beautiful engagement party with, like, a group of their close friends. And it was just nice to be surrounded by, like, really lovely people, like-minded people yep. and similar faith and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and obviously, like, a new season for these guys too, which is also super yeah. exciting. So, yeah. yeah, that was fun. Beautiful. What about you? What have you been up to? Beautiful. Um, marking essays. Oh. That's what I've been doing. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, not really. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, look, you know, if, if there are any students listening that I teach, uh, you're. Um, he takes bribes. He does not take bribes. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> he does not take bribes. <laughs> do, you, do you hear this, Notre Dame University? I do not take bribes. Do you hear this, Catholic Institute of Sydney? I do not take bribes. Do you hear this, Vianney College? I do not take bribes. <laughs> <laughs> just just for the public record. I was trying to make sure there's some chocolate showing up on your desk to help with the marking situation. But, <laughs> all right, if you don't yeah. want it. Well, they know, they know not to put an apple there if they were going. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, but no, marking essays, and you know what? They're doing pretty well. Oh, good. They're doing pretty well. They're, they're, they're generally a pleasure to read, but it's just difficult to, to, to go through and yeah, mark and read. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but anyway. I don't envy teachers, I tell you that. Yeah, uh, it's all right, it's all right. Okay. So uh, we are beginning our book study. Uh, and uh, as we've spoken about in previous episodes, our book study is on The Great Divorce, uh, one of C.S. Lewis's, I think, one of his finest works. Um, so uh, it's a fictional book in contrast to the last book which we wrote, which is more like of a sort of a spiritual um uh, spiritual theology book, if you like. Uh, this is a, a a fictional book with a very sort of spiritual character to it. And um, 
So uh, you might sort of be thinking to yourself, the great divorce. Uh, do we do we do divorce now, <laughs> Padre? Like, what's what's why are you so keen on this book that's about divorce? What's going on? Yeah. So. And not just any divorce, a great divorce. Yeah. Uh, so, this is not a how-to so, guide of how-to great divorce. Right, right, exactly. It's not a how-to guide <laughs> of divorce. Exactly, exactly. So what is he talking about? Well, he's making reference to a, a, a philosophical work written by William Blake called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. Now, now Lewis doesn't pit himself against Blake. He doesn't say that he's he's sort of, you know, trying to critique Blake as such. Um but what he is trying to to critique is the modern tendency, and bearing in mind that he's writing in the 1940s, mm. right? He's writing in the 1940s at this time. So when he's sort of explaining about his book and says the modern tendency is like, well, <laughs> the modern tendency hasn't changed that much, man. You know, um, mm. so uh, he's talking about the modern tendency to think that reality doesn't present us with an unavoidable either or when it comes to good or evil, but instead that in due course, a way of embracing both alternatives can be found that somehow evil can become good without a rejection of what is evil. And so Lewis responds to this with a number of one-liners. He says, you know, you cannot take all luggage with you on on, on all journeys that we live in a world where eventually every road forks into two and and whatever road we choose eventually forks into another two, you know? So we live in a world where we must choose. Uh, and he even uses a mathematical example. Uh, he says that when an error is uh, occurs in, 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 in a sum, uh, that to put the sum right, one must go back to find the error and work it afresh never simply just going on, right? Uh, Because time does not heal evil. What is evil in one generation is evil in another generation. Uh, And for evil to 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 be solved, it must be repudiated. It must be rejected. So yeah, and, and so in, in that that sort of gives you the the basic premise, if you like, or, or the the kind of inspiration that he had for writing this particular book. And today we're going to cover chapters one through to six. Yeah, and there's sort of overarching themes here throughout the entire book as well. And we've sort of identified two dominant ones, both pride and shame, that we'll sort of touch on as we progress throughout this book study. So you'll hear us talk more about it and as we sort of unpack chapter by chapter, if you like, almost. (laughs) Sort of. So this book starts, like in chapter one, it starts by presenting this story where you hear like the narrator, this character who is kind of starting out in hell, which sounds great. Let's let's start with hell. Um, But it's not like the kind of, well, it is like, it is, it's it is, not, it is. You're quite right. It let's, is. Let's start there. Yep. So he, he sort of describes hell, you know, in an interesting way because I think most of us when we think about uh, an imagery for, for hell, we're thinking like fire and um, awful screeches and like just lots of heat and, you know, darkness and that kind of imagery um, and perhaps desperation, like that kind of a, a space. But this this isn't so much about this place of furnace. It's more about a town that's just grey and bleak 
and it's always just evening. Like it, the time never progresses. It's just, it's stagnant. You know, there's, there's no life as such happening in this space. And no matter how long people are in this town, no matter, you know, where they go, there's sort of no, nothing new, nothing changes. And it's almost like a place of hopelessness that's evident in this town. Um, and it's interesting because in his description, he sort of paints hell as this place where there's no sort of clear distinction between a journey and a destination. It's all kind of muddled and nobody really knows why or where they're even traveling like through this space. It's just, there's just nothing. Mm. But then, <laughs> then all of a sudden we have this bus. <laughs> like, all of a sudden we start hearing that people are lining up at a bus stop. They're waiting for a bus and there's like lines and lines. What? What are we doing waiting for a bus in hell? Okay. And then this bus shows up and this bus is like totally different to everything else we've just heard. It's like bright and it's radiant and even the bus driver is full of light. And so immediately you get this sense that, okay, something different and awesome is about to happen here. Like these people are about to experience something that's very different to what they've been experiencing so far. Mm. And, and really what they're about to experience is, is heaven. And uh, now at this point, <clears throat> some of my theology students are going to be like, no, <laughs> no, this is, this is an impossibility. <laughs> I remember from eschatology, Father, this, this is not correct. Uh, good, good theology. Good theology. But C.S. Lewis is not trying to write a theology book here. He's trying to write a story to prove a greater point. Yeah, this is fiction. So don't worry. Fiction. <laughs> this is fiction. It's okay. It's okay. So um, uh, when, when the bus arrives in heaven, the the the. These, these people from hell appear as ghosts. They appear as people that you can see right through. And they meet these bright spirits who are solid people, right? And these bright spirits, it's going to be their task to take each one of these ghosts under their wing and sort of help them reject the hell that they've been in and to accept the possibility of heaven. So you can kind of see that that theme of of. of Either or, <laughs> mm. you can't have you can't have your good and your evil. Mm. You know, it's it's you choose one or the other. So, so a, a choice is then presented to them uh, over the course of this book uh, by by the bright spirits, and, and it's it's often someone that the ghost has known from their lives. Uh, that's the other thing that you discover throughout this book is that. It's someone who's made it to heaven that it's their task to go and see this particular this particular ghost to try and bring them into heaven, you know. So um, the uh, and and our narrator and you do get the sense that there's something different about the narrator, right? Because the narrator, he while he seems to be a ghost like the rest of them, uh, and his experiences are very similar, he never has a conversation like the rest of them have. So you kind of get a sense that something's a bit different about him. And fair enough. The narrator realizes that he is translucent, as are the other ghosts, and uh, and that everything in heaven is so real that it's painful uh, for them to actually interact with the environment around them. Like um, leaves don't bend 
grass goes right through them, blades of grass just like stab through them uh, because everything in heaven is so real. Heaven is the place of reality. Uh, and they have been in hell. They have been in the place of of unreality, the place of 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 hopelessness, the place which is is sort of built on fabrications and lies. Now they come to the place of truth and reality, greatness, and and it's 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 almost sort of too much for them to actually bear. So so we actually see this immediately see this contrast between heaven and hell. Hell is the town of hopelessness. Heaven is reality, full stop. It's more real than the real world we presently occupy. So I guess one of the conversations that strikes me here between chapters one and six is a conversation that happens in chapter four, and it's one that's between this big ghost and this light spirit. Except what's – and like you said before, like the light spirits are are meant to be sort of guides, if you like, um, through this space and meant to be – helping and assisting these ghosts. But what we hear in chapter four is that this um, this light spirit has actually murdered someone in their life. So this light spirit who has been a murderer seems to be the one who's guiding this big ghost. And the big ghost is entirely confused about why this light spirit is even here. Like the ghost starts to feel like that is so completely unfair and begins to dialogue about wanting his rights because he thinks, well, I didn't do what this light spirit did. Like I led a much better life than murdering. Therefore, my life must have been so good and therefore I should be owed a heck of a lot more (laughs) than what this light spirit has. So he keeps repeating this line, I just want my rights. Which is so striking because he's got this element of entitlement that remains with him, you know, even after having judged the kind of life that he's lived and he himself deeming it to be good, he still feels that he should be owed more. When in reality, heaven's not a place that we can enter into by our own work or by our own merit. Like it's only possible by God's providence. It's only possible by his mercy. We don't we can't do anything to get there. <laughs> it's it has right. to be God. You know, and in in a sense, you know, as adopted brothers and sisters um, of Christ, we become heirs to the kingdom of God. Yes. But again, not because of anything we did. It's only because God chose us for himself that we even have that as an option. <laughs> Right. So it's right, not right, it's not ever something that we're owed. We have no entitlement. Should have no sense of entitlement. Right. Towards heaven. I deserve heaven. <laughs> Do you know you know what it also make, makes me think of is that it's sort of like a it's a little bit of a jab at those who say, I'm a good person, I've never murdered anybody. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, let's just rethink that because there are there are murderers and tax collectors who are inheriting the kingdom of heaven before yeah. the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees, yeah. right? You know, so, and, and yeah. that's so good because the conversation that happens between the ghost and the spirit from there is something very similar. Like the spirit then reveals that committing murder wasn't the worst thing that he did. So you're then sitting there going, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> what, the, what in the world could be worse than killing another human being? He goes, well, actually, and his line is, I murdered you in my heart. 
that is why I've been sent to you mm. to ask for your forgiveness. And you get the sense mm. of the weight of, oh, okay, yeah, what we do with our hearts can actually be a yeah. lot worse than what we do yeah. physically um, towards one another. Mm. Mm. And the sad, Absolutely. the sad part though about this conversation is the bitterness that comes back from the mm. big ghost. Like he's not softened by the forgiveness that this light spirit is seeking. He's just bitter and so cold and so hurt that he just keeps going on about, you know, how he wants nothing to do with this light spirit and he just wants what he should be owed and he should be given more than what a murderer has been given. Like he's still stuck in that entitlement yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, you know, as we were talking about before when it comes to pride and shame, this this is screaming pride, right? Right, right, exactly, exactly. And and on the very point of, of pride, one of my favourite encounters in the book is between an Anglican bishop who is one of the occupants of hell uh, who's come to visit heaven and he encounters one of his colleagues who's become a bright spirit. And the reason I love this 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 encounter is not because a bishop is in, is in hell. That's that's not, <laughs> that's not the reason why I love oh. this encounter. By the way, just to be clear, um, I love this encounter because it it demonstrates that it demonstrates two things. Firstly, that sin is more than what we do with our our uh, bodies. There there are there are other kinds of sin. Uh, and and the second is that mercy is available for any sin. Mm. So it demonstrates these two things because in spite of what this 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 bishop has has said and done, um, mercy is still offered to him. So uh, this this particular uh, encounter, there's a bright spirit, his colleague, who is trying to convince this bishop to come to heaven to let go of hell, and so it, it actually turns out to be a conversation between. An intelligent yet stupid man, that's the bishop, right? And an intelligent and wise man, his colleague. Uh, and and the, the intelligent and wise man, his, his colleague, is wise because he's figured out or he's been shown, he's realized his greatest gift, the most important thing in his life that he's ever received is love from God. He's got that, you know. He offers the opportunity for repentance to the bishop. And to this offer, the bishop just puts up lie <laughs> after lie after lie. Oh. And his colleague is just like, smack, next, yeah. smack, next. Like just smacks yeah. down each and, and every lie And look, to put context around those lies too, like when you read those lies, they're not, they're not things that are so obviously – not all of them. They're not so, not so obviously a lie. Like some of them we can actually yeah, hear yeah. in our everyday conversations today. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of those that I, I can think of immediately is when, um, our, is when the colleague proposes to the bishop the finality of heaven. You know, and, and the bishop's like, oh, good boy. What could be more soul-destroying than the stagnation of finality? Surely it's better to, to travel than to arrive. You know, <laughs> surely the journey is more important than the, than the destination, boy. And, and, and this guy's like, no. <laughs> no. No. Because if you travel without a destination, there is no hope in the traveling. <laughs> 
right? Yeah, right. And so he just smacks that away. Yeah. He's like, no. Yeah. And so you know, it was a lie to try and 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 get around the finality of I have to choose heaven or hell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that whole journey slash destination thing is something that is used relatively often mm. today. Mm. Uh, you know. Uh, so I think you're spot on there. Yeah. It's 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 not necessarily an out and out lie. Mm. It's often something that we tell ourselves, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, in order to justify our, our our particular issues or sins or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we can we just also acknowledge so, there that was an epic voiceover for? <laughs> all right. <laughs> for the bishop. Yeah. Right. That was great. We should just get you to. I'm sorry to, to if there's anyone from England who's listening and they're like, I'm deeply sorry. Right now. I'm very sorry. It's, again, just made up. It's just you know. That's right. Oh. That's right. Exactly. Um, Love it. So, uh, but look, the, the the other interesting thing that Lewis points to is is, is this. And I mentioned it earlier. The sins of intellect that that there are. We often think of sins as kind of bodily things. You know. Uh, and it's like, well, actually, there, there are sins of intellect too. Mm. And often sins begin in the intellect before they manifest in, in, the, uh, in, in the body. Uh, often these things begin in the mind, uh, you know, before they've, they've, uh, they've manifested uh, physically. Bad thinking generally leads to bad acting. Mm. Um, so, uh, uh, but also it's true that bad acting leads to bad thinking yes. too. It's yeah, both ways. It, it is true the other way as well, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, so, but but one of the reasons, so the reason why this, this bishop was sent to hell was because he was an apostate. Uh, he repudiated the faith. He repudiated, in particular, he repudiates the resurrection. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it, it demonstrates that orthodox faith is actually part of, of an essential relationship with Jesus Christ, that right faith is an essential part of relationship. Um, you know, and, and it makes sense because if I willingly tell lies about someone that I'm supposed to be friends with um, for, 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 the, for the sake of social convenience, then I, I've really ceased to remain in friendship with that person. Yeah. You know? Uh, now, now, if I, if I um, sort of say something about someone that I believe is true and, and, that, and that I believe is actually good about that person, but I'm wrong. I'm absolutely right. 100% wrong. Right. You know, that's, that's a different story altogether. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's, it's not that I've, I've, I've purposely repudiated the truth. No. It's that I've made a mistake about this person yeah. and, and our relationship is not irrevocably damaged from that, you know? But if I choose to tell a lie, then I've I have actually damaged that relationship. Now, of course, on this side of the veil, uh, our relationship with God is never irrevocably damaged. We can always go back and ask God for forgiveness. Uh, but it's just interesting to note that C.S. Lewis actually adds. He puts down here that an unorthodox faith to purposely hold to it this is sinful. Like, yes, this is a sin of the intellect. You know, it's it's to willingly tell lies about someone that we claim friendship with, God. Mm. No, not okay. Mm. You know, so as a theologian, well, as somebody who studies theology, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, the other chapter, that, that uh, chapter six, that I always find sort of um, 
uh, interesting is that there's a, a ghost who wants to bring heaven into hell. Wow. There's one ghost who sees an apple. And despite everything in heaven being so heavy for the transparent ghost, so difficult yeah. to interact with, he manages to pick it up, right? And what does he do? He's like, I want to get back on the bus and go back to hell with this apple. <laughs> and, and, and a voice booms. A voice booms. Oh. There's like, there's no room for it in hell. Learn to eat it in heaven. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's sort of this, this uh, I'll have my cake and eat it too morality, mm. you know, uh, which is so common today that, look, we, we can't mix good with evil and hope to keep the good. Yes. It doesn't it, work. It, no, it doesn't. Yeah, we actually have to choose. No. And this is the complete and total opposite of a cafeteria Christianity. Uh, you know, and so what's demonstrated here is a pride which refuses to let go of evil, but also a shame which makes one think that there is no possible alternative to hell uh, despite the experience of heaven. Mm. Uh, so, so it's it's uh, uh, despite the the experience of God's mercy, the belief that there is no possible salvation. Mm. Uh, that I have to I have to enjoy this in hell. Yeah, oh, there is no enjoy in hell. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's the point. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so yes, those are just some of the points that that that, that we brought out. And gosh, I did a lot of talking that episode. <laughs> that's all right. It's one of your favourite books. Significant amount. It is, but I just need to learn to like be a bit quiet. <laughs> yeah. I don't think a book study works if we're quiet. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, chapters seven to eleven. Yeah. Just like the store. Yeah. And <laughs> not like the store. We're reading the chapters seven to eleven. If you're someone who likes to listen to a um a book as opposed to you know reading a book. Um, or maybe you do a lot of driving, there is a free audio book available for The Great Divorce and we will add a link in the description box or no, sorry, in the show notes. We'll add a link in the show notes that you can go and use. It's divided into four sections and the person who does the narrating of the book does a brilliant job of the voices. So it's really easy to listen to. Cool. Um, and we'll add some. Thank you for that. Yeah, no worries. And we've added some reflection questions as well over on the show notes to accompany each of these episodes. So make sure you jump over there and have a look as well. And then join us for some of the discussions on our Facebook group, mm. if you like mm. as well, the Living Fullness Facebook group. And for our Patreon peeps, uh, we are at the end of this this series. We're going to do a reading of one of the chapters. So. Be on the lookout for that in a few weeks' time. Yeah, and you've already seen a little teaser of Padre's voiceover, so <laughs> yeah, <get> ready. <laughs> Very good. All right, well. Well, we're at the end of this episode, so before we end this episode, as always, Padre, a truth, beauty, and goodness. All right, okay. Uh, well, for me, it is a group called Voces 8, uh, or Voces 8, I'm Apparently my Latin sucks. Uh, so, um, uh, which which means eight voices, and so there's there's uh, eight singers there. They do beautiful polyphonic chant. It's just stunning stuff. Like some of the most beautiful ancient hymns of the church, uh, set to to uh, chant in multiple uh, multiple voices, sort of harmony 
uh, and it's just what the human voice can produce. The sound that the human voice can produce is just so incredible. And it's why the church says, even in the Second Vatican Council, it makes the point, the first and most valued instrument in the church is the human voice. Mm. Not the organ, the human voice. Mm. That comes first. Uh, and it's, you listen to these guys and you're just like, yeah, this is sacred wow, music. Wow, that's so Beautiful. cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, my truth, beauty, and goodness is you, Padre. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were able okay. to catch up recently and just hang out. We were. We were. This is true. Mm, well, like last week or this something. This is true. And it was nice. It was, it was so nice. good. It was so good. One of the things we decided before we began this project of the podcast was to make sure that this didn't become the only way that we – hung out together, that we not let work get in the way of and potentially damage our friendship. So I think we both kind of hit a wall and went, oops, <laughs> we haven't yes, done yes, much yeah. in that space. We should probably yep. just not work this time. So that was really lovely. It was lovely to have you join yeah, us for dinner. It was very, very nice to catch up. Yeah. With yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Just to kind of see how each other is going and and, yeah. and – See what's happening in life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. right. Yeah. And just laugh at stupidity. <laughs> yes. 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 We're apparently both very good at that. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. But yeah, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Living Fullness. We will catch you again next week as we continue the book study. But as always, until then, know of our love and prayers. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Living Fullness. We hope that in this episode there was something useful or helpful or something that blessed your life. If that is the case, would you please consider sharing this podcast with someone? Perhaps it will bless their lives too. Please also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so that others can find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook.